On today's episode, Katie's Run Smarter success story. Welcome to the Run Smarter podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default, become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. I'm excited to introduce Katie to you. She is a very cheerful personality, um, very infectious, and has a great story to tell. She has had a history of knee pain and ankle pain, and she's worked with me in the past, and we've tried to balance and rehab both of those injuries at the same time while returning to running, half marathons, skiing, all that sort of stuff. And there is a lot of lessons to take away from this one, not just with knee and ankle pain, but things to do with exercise prescription, return to running, pain rules to follow, uh, mindset when it comes to, say, flare-ups, um, flare-up management plans. You're just going to love this. This story itself just carries over into all those lessons. And get ready. Get ready to take some notes. If you've got a pad and pen ready, or if you've just out for a run and you want to take these mental notes and maybe save a couple of um, spots in the episode to go back to and write down once you get home after your run, um, just get ready for a jam-packed episode. So let's take it away. Katie, thank you very much for joining me on the Run Smarter podcast. Thanks for having me. We're going to dive into your story in a bit, but before we get into that, um, tell us about like how you got into running. Sure. Um, so I, you know, I played sports in school, I played field hockey and lacrosse and, um, you know, running was just a way to be fit, uh, to start off really. Um, and then I, you know, in my early twenties, I got really into triathlon. Um, and so I really loved the Olympic and the half Ironman distance and loved it. Um, then I had kids and had a little bit less time, uh, to myself. And so, running really became a way to efficiently get mental space um, and time by myself as a mom and, and a full-time, you know, someone that works full-time um, and a workout at the same time. So I sort of stumbled into being a runner, I would say. Um, I used to, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was something for a purpose previously and then suddenly I was loving it. Um, so a little bit of a roundabout way, but uh, yeah, now I'm a runner. Nice. And did you gravitate towards any distances or any races or any certain like terrain that you enjoyed? Yeah. I mean, when I was racing triathlon, um, I really liked the half Ironman, um, because I just felt like you really, it was an adventure, um, and you could train for, it and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't such a big deal. 
but you certainly couldn't not train and do it. So I, so I appreciated that. Um, and then running wise, I really, um, once I started doing that, I really was in, interested in half marathon, um, did a couple 10 Ks and, and then same, same thing. Like I sort of felt like I'd have to train for a half marathon, but it wasn't a full. Um, so I had done a couple of those, um, and really enjoyed it. Yeah. Seems like that middle ground between like a big commitment and a necessary uh, training necessity. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, I've definitely talked about going back and doing, you know, longer distances and that type of thing. But I feel like, um, in my life again, you know, or you talk about it's all stress. So trying to balance my job and, um, two kids and a dog and all the things, right. It's like, this is, this is what fits, um, and also feels challenging for me. Yeah. Um, we'll dive into your, your main or recent injuries in a second, but I guess coming up through the triathlon scene and getting involved in that and, you know, the running side of things, did you have any major injuries or disruptions prior to the ones we're about to discuss? I did. Um, I had one, uh, which was actually how I, my first time that I did a, a half Ironman, which will, this will not surprise you. I don't think having worked with me and my type A self, um, <laughs> but I, I'm a skier um, and I had torn my tib fib ligament, which I've been told is a really rare injury. Um, so they ended up taking part of my hamstring uh, tendon and sort of looping it through and, and bit, like drilling a hole and looping, looping it through and making that hold my tib fib ligament together in my knee. Um, so that was like, I don't even know, 2009 maybe. Um, so I had only done Olympic distance triathlon before that. Um, and I was like, okay, well, I need to build some confidence after this injury, I was healing and skiing again. And I was like, okay, I need to like build confidence that I can, you know, not just they're like, you're healed, but like healed meant like you can go for walks and you can like run a little bit. And I was like, "Mm, like I live in Boulder, Colorado. Like that's not, I want to, I want to do the things. Uh, I was a climber at that point. So uh, that's when I decided to race a half Ironman uh, because I was like, okay, I got to prove to myself that I can put this load on that knee Uh, The doctors had said I could, and I'd done enough PT, but I had to like, it was a mindset thing for me. Like I have to prove to myself, I'm going to be nervous about this name forever if I don't um, do this for myself. So I did. And it was just a really big, um, yeah, accomplishment, Uh, maybe mentally more than physically. It was both, but just to be able to be like, okay, I did that and my knee is not hurt. So I am fine. Um, and actually the injuries we're going to talk about were on the totally, they were on, they were not on that same side of my body. So no. uh, it's exciting because it really has just like, oh yeah, that did happen to me. Um, but it's all good. Yeah. A good mindset to have. Okay. Let me try and tackle this head on to build up my own, you know, reassurance that I can handle these loads because medically I've been cleared to do so. It's just my, I guess, you know, attitude and things that's letting me down. Let me you know, tackle it head on. I like that. Yeah. And I think it was a scary injury for me because, um, your perineal nerve is right there with, within all that and your lower in from your knee all the way to your foot and your lower leg. And so this was such a rare injury that people couldn't figure out what the problem was. And so then my foot was like, it was kind of hard to flex my foot. And I was like, you know, they, they got really nervous. So like this lady maybe is going to have foot drop. Um, 
you know, and you start Googling things and it gets pretty scary. So, uh, you know, they, they invented a surgery to fix it. Uh, but all of that made me very nervous about like, well, do they really know if it's fixed? Um, and so I needed to like, all right, let's prove that this is good. And it is. Yeah. Um, I think it was from memory, it was mainly the knee that sort of, um, prompted you to reach out to, for us to start working together. Um, when did that very first start and sort of, uh, if you can think of a potential reason why it occurred, what happened around that time? Yeah. So it was the other knee. Um, and so I started running again in the pandemic. Um, and I found an awesome friend and running partner and we were really well matched, which is just like, I feel like so hard to do. Um, and in Boulder, I feel like everybody is like training to be in the Olympics and I am not. So it's just like <laughs> intimidated by everyone, everyone being so fast around here. Um, but she was training for a half for her 40th birthday, asked if I wanted to join. I did. So it was going really great. Um, now all the things I'm going to say, I'm like, I've listened enough of your, to your podcast. So I'm like, mm, I can see all these mistakes, but I wasn't, I wasn't that educated at that point about, about this. So I thought it's going great. I'm going to get some new shoes. Um, so I started just, I just switched one day. I didn't do the ramp up and, you know, I just got new shoes and I thought, oh, this is fine. Um, now I know that I did that too quickly. Um, and then I ended up spraining my ankle really badly, stepping off a deck. So I wasn't even running, but um, I really think now that I switched those shoes too quickly, there was sort of a, um, that ankle was, was became weak and needed more stability. And then that happened. So I went to P a PT, but it was not swollen or really bruised. It was super painful, but it wasn't those other things. So they were like, we'll tape it, keep going. Great. That's awesome. Okay. Um, had a fair amount of pain, but just was like, great. The professionals said I'm fine. Um, so I ran as we runners do. And then I started having patellar tendon pain. Um, and that's really what ended up being the problem. So that I kept going, but it was September and this half that we were training for was in early October. So I was like, it's like three weeks away. Like I can just maybe grit through it. Um, and then went on a road trip with my family and it was like absolutely excruciating to have my knee bent. I was like, I can't even sit in the car. How am I going to run a half marathon? This is a problem. So then I came back, had an MRI. Um, again, now not sure that I would do that, but I did then. Uh, and I had torn the middle third of my patellar tendon. And so um, the doctor decided that I should have PRP. Um, so I did do that. And then they immobilized you for six weeks, which is, I can't remember the thing, but something about the downward, downward weakness spiral or something. What's yep. that called? Pain, rest, weakness, downward spiral. Yeah. So a classic version of that, um, when really now I look at it, I would have done this very differently, but I was just trying to get to not having excruciating pain. So I missed the half marathon, um, and then had to really focus on kind of rehab being my sport. So, um, I did blood flow restriction therapy. I was lifting, I was, you know, trying to figure it out. Um, and then once I was allowed to, I was doing a lot of aqua jogging, um, trying not to lose you know, not have zero fitness. And that's when I found your podcast. So I was in the pool listening to all the running things I could just trying to figure out like, how do I not end up in this situation again? Um, and so, yeah, at that point I had a weak right ankle and I was rebuilding strength in my right patellar tendon. And going back to the earlier piece of the story about, you know, the other surgery I had had, like I had the same problem of, okay, now I'm ready to go back to running, but I had really low confidence about how to start again. 
Uh, I was so scared because I wanted to run so badly that I was nervous to even try, right? I was like, I have sort of turned this part of my brain off because I just, I want to run so badly, but I'm, I'm scared that this whole thing's going to happen again. Um, so then I had reached out to you for a, um, one of your 20 minute chats and, um, you know, I had heard all the things like, oh, you're 41 now. Maybe you're just not a runner. A runner's really bad for your knees. You should just not do this. But like I had beautiful cartilage on my x-rays, like everything was fixed. And I was like, no, this should be something you can do for your whole life if you do it properly. But I needed to go to like Brody Sharp school because I was <laughs> not going to do that all again. So I reached out to you and then uh, we worked together for a month. And then within like a week, I signed up for six months because I was like, okay. <laughs> This is going to solve the problem, and I'm in. Were there, at the time of like signing up for physio, did you have much symptoms, or was it just sort of apprehension to start loading and returning to activity? Um, I still did have some pain in my right tendon, in my knee. Um, I would, if I did anything like any twisting or any pivoting or any of that. So it was all very like slowly building it back. I also lost like 10 centimeters of quad muscle in six weeks. Hmm. So I had a lot of deficits I had to make up at that point, um, which is again, how, why I might do this differently. And if that ever happened again, um, but yeah, I did, I had pain. I had pain. Um, not, not agonizing pain. Like I had had, um, but I did have pain and it was hard for me to understand like what, what's the right amount, what's okay. What's he healthy pain, I guess, you know, versus, um, you, you actually have a problem and should not run. Hmm. And the ankle, was that causing much dysfunction and, and symptoms at the time? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it was sort of, again, weakness and like pain across the top of the foot and kind of out and around, um, and then I would say on the, on the patellar tendon, like I'd have some sharp pain in the tendon itself. And then after whatever activity, it would kind of burn a little bit. Um, and again, just like not, not knowing and, and being lacking confidence after, you know, having people before be like, oh, you're really hurt. You have to be fixed now. And I, I didn't know better. And so um, sort of a classic case in that way of, oh, it hurts. You should stop doing everything. Yeah. Okay. So um we started off with like exercises and re return to running and that sort of stuff. Were you surprised by anything in the first couple of weeks about what you could do or what you couldn't do or how you were responding? Were there any particular, um, you know, insights or things that surprised you? Yeah. You know, I went back today and I looked at some of those early notes, like some of those early, you know, ma managing my pain or telling you reporting on, you know, out of 10, here's what my pain is. Um, and I could see my hesitancy, like, you know, now it's, it's so, so different, but I could see that, like, I don't know, Brody, it hurts. And you're like, it's fine. Is it less than three out of 10? Okay, here we go. So I was very diligent, right? About like, okay, I'm going to write this down and tell him exactly what's happening so that I don't get hurt. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think, I think that the biggest downfall before I was working with you was, was lack of strength training. Um, I was doing some. I was not lifting heavy enough. Um, I was, you know, doing, I have hypermobility. And so I was like, I was still doing yoga and I was doing some stretching and like, I don't need to do those things. I'm really like, 
I'm already hypermobile. I, that's like actually not helpful, right? But but it's that's not what you immediately learn. So um, really, I think working with you, like strength training um, and the gains that I could make. Um, I think the most surprising thing to me when we started working together was um, when you were teaching me about wall sits and you were like, there, this has an analgesic effect like for your tendon, it's going to help you. And I was like, in my brain, this does not make sense that I'm going to do wall sits and then I'm going to run and it's going to hurt less, but it is magical, right? Just to, to slow load the tendon and have heavy weight. It's amazing. Um, so I think that was something that was pretty surprising to me and I'll use it now, right? I will, yeah. yesterday I was running and I was like, Oh, kind of hurts a little bit, like 0.5, right? It was fine. It was freezing. That's why. So I like leaned against a fence and did a wall sit and then kept running for eight miles. Like it's fine. So I think that was really surprising to me. Um, I did not really understand how tendons work and um, quite thankful that I do now. Yeah. There's a few just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign-up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. Thanks to unpack there because uh, usually when someone is hypermobile, like their joints, ligaments are a little bit more lax than I guess the, the rest of the population. And so some people can hyperextend their knees or hyperextend their elbows or bend their thumb backs quite a lot and um, just their whole body globally, they just uh, are quite flexible. And... Usually if there is injuries, um, what people do usually recommend is to strengthen. Like you can stabilize an area. You still have that mobility, but it's more of a sound structure when there's a lot of strong muscles and tendons surrounding that joint. So, um, you know, strength is never going to be, um, strength is always going to have its benefits, but it's almost an extra benefit if you are hypermobile. And a lot of people convince themselves they are doing strength training, but it's usually just bodyweight exercises, bodyweight squats, banded exercises. And I think one of the things that we really highlighted was, you know, let's start, you know, picking up some weights and progressing and getting heavier and bridging the gap between where you're currently at in terms of your strength and what we need you to tolerate because the what we need you to tolerate is the loads required for running, which you know, people tend to um, not really appreciate how much load is required. And so, yes, um, there was also that those wall sits, which was body weight, but wasn't in the idea to progress your strength. It was just to, like you say, have that analgesic effect, almost use it like like you would pain medication because it sometimes can act like that if there is a moments when, you have a couple of days of the tendon being a little bit more aggravated than usual. Then you can do those analgesic exercises, whatever that might be for you. It was for wall sits and do those a couple of times a day if you wanted to and settle down those symptoms. But in the case of exercise, if you noticed that tendons can have this warm up effect where in the first couple of minutes, it's particularly painful. Like it might be up a two or a three out of 10, but then once it's warmed up, it goes down to a one or sometimes pain-free you know, you can use those analgesics to your advantage and load up the tendon, appreciate that reduction in symptoms, and then 
start your exercise in a lot better shape or symptom wise than you would have if you didn't do those things. Um, so a lot of things, rules that we sort of applied, like you said, we had those pain rules during the run, less than a three out of 10, and then had to return back to baseline, um, fairly quickly. I think we said less than 24 hours. And then, um, the other thing that I usually put on the back of that is symptoms need to improve week by week, which is then following your trend. Like you say, you're, you're documenting your symptoms and commenting on how symptoms were behaving. And then we'd sort of come together and see if you're heading in the right direction, um, which we'll get to in a second, but I want to go back to those strength exercises. Um, were there any that you found particularly beneficial? Um, any ones that sort of stood out to you? Yeah, I think, um, so I think also like I turned wall sits into a strength exercise. Like I'll do it now and I'll put two huge kettlebells on my quads or like I'll Perfect. hold kettlebells against the wall or we do single leg ones. So like kind of turned it into both things. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, so I think the, the wobble board for my ankle was really helpful. Um, and it's funny cause it's just, now it just lives in our kitchen and I'll just stand on it. And we had some friends over the other day and they were like, how can how can you just do that? I was like, well, I worked on it for six months, uh, but it's, it's amazing right now. It's like, I can just do that. Um, so that really helped and, and knock on all the things, but like I've had, you know, no ankle issues at all. And my ankle feels strong. Um, so, um, and then, yeah, I think the single leg weighted exercises, um, you know, deadlifts or whatever, you know, just to make sure that, that, um, my knee wasn't compens I wasn't compensating anywhere, right? Like that each leg had to do its own work. Um, cause I think that's really how I ended up in this challenge was that my ankle got weak and I didn't stop. And then it made, I, I thought I was loading it normally for my cadence and all the things, but I was not right. Uh, clearly, because then, then my knee, my knee, knee tendon was angry. So I really have paid attention to that now of like making sure that those single leg exercises are good and that I can, you know, handle the same weight on both sides and things like that. Um, so I think that made a difference and I have really, yeah, I've gone now into sort of heavier weights and kettlebells and things that I was not confident doing before, um, that have really helped. And I've continued to work on building strength and, you know, the way that you set the program of kind of the whole thing of, of getting the window of tolerance, right? So we try this, okay, we can do that. Let's now go a little bit more um, you know, something else we didn't talk about is, is not a particular exercise really, but is jump rope. Um, yeah. so I was particularly nervous about jump rope, um, because, um, the, maybe the first or second time we tried it, I did too much and, um, and then it, I, it flared a little bit. Right. So then I was like, Oh, I don't know, Brody, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Right. And so I was, I think when I got to the final step in the, in the training plan and was doing, you know, of jumping rope for seven minutes, I was like, this is awesome. Right. So I think again, like building that confidence along the way. Um, but whatever the, you know, the muscles and tendons or whatever's triggered by jumping rope was exactly my problem. Um, and so we really had to hone in and like, I could actually run, but when we jump roped, it would be mad. So I think that was something we really had to work on. And then, um, but we got there and it was like, felt really, um, yeah, that felt empowering to me because it was like, whatever that was, I couldn't do it without it flaring. And then we, you know, found the window and built up to where we can. Yeah. That's a good example of sort of the, your intent that you should have for rehab, because 
doing jump rope. So um, for those who are listening, what we did was have like a progression chart where we had phase one of your jump rope. I actually just brought up your program here and I'll see if I can find. So jump rope phase one, we did 30 seconds of, you know, double leg jumping followed by 30 seconds of rest. And we did that five times. Mm-hmm. And that, well, that's what it has on the program right now. But essentially, once you can tolerate that, we then move to an, phase two, which instead of doing 30 seconds of jumping, there's 45 and all the other variables stay the same. But why I want to bring that up was because I thought it would be a good exercise because you know, we're dealing with two injuries at once. We're dealing with the knee and also the ankle. Jumping can help build up tolerance for the knee, but it can also help build up tolerance for the ankle. So that, and then if we can progress those to single leg hopping, um, that's also really carrying over the benefits towards running. So the idea to implement that was, um, that was the rationale anyway. But then when you did the the early stages and had that flare up, um, like you say, your confidence was a bit, shook and we're sort of like okay is this the best thing but from a physio point of view it is all about okay this is actually really interesting that even just a small amount flares you up that leads us to suspect that jumping is a particular weak point of yours or like a vulnerability let's take that weak link in that whole chain and let's try and make that as strong as possible because a lot of people will shy away from that straight away if they if they did that without any guidance they'd say okay that's not for me. Let me try and find something else. But we can go back to the drawing board with the same thing and say, all right, this small amount flares you up. Let's reiterate again, maybe come up with a more modified version. Let's see what you can tolerate. Once you can tolerate that, let's progress all the way back to where you were and then beyond. And then we're making that weak link a strong link. And then when you go back to running, back to running long distances, back to running hills, like you can't just have that weak link just hovering in the background because the potential for flare-ups and those sorts of things. Um, and just having a vulnerability, just having a weak link in the chain um, is never great if we want to be resilient and reduce our risk of um, flare-ups. So anytime that there's a particular exercise, a particular movement for anyone's injury that they're finding is a real vulnerability, you need to try and come up with as many things as possible, like get creative to build that and make that your strong link. So I think that's a really nice thing for people to to sort of wrap their heads around. And would you say that you've sort of, you experienced that? We sort of went back to the drawing board, built back up, and now you've sort of um, built that tolerance way beyond where you started? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's, it's, a, it, it's those were the moments when I felt like I needed a coach, right? Mm. Because you're, you're in the moments of like, this does hurt. Like what, what, should I be doing now? Right. And I'm like a very confident person, but in this space, because I'd had this injury, I was like, I just don't, I don't know what the difference between growth and, you know, um, building strength is versus, you know, hurting yourself. Um, so that was really helpful. And now on my strength days, I do a whole strength workout and then I jump rope for seven minutes at the end. Like, I'm like, Oh, let's just keep this in here. Right. I can do this. Let's just keep going. So yes, I think it's, it's awesome. And, um, yeah, it was, it was really beneficial. Yeah. One of the, some of the feedback I get from these success stories is not coming, diving into like a bit of details with the sets, reps and that sort of stuff. So um, with the wobble board exercise that you described, um, I've got phase one here was three sets of 30 seconds on each side, just single leg, 
one foot placed in the middle of the wobble board, just trying to keep all sides off the floor and then progressing by increasing the time. But we then progressed by adding a weight um, and doing what we call weighted passes. So again, single leg, middle of the board, trying to keep all sides off the off the floor. And then you're taking like 20 pounds, like holding onto 20 pound dumbbell and passing it from the right hand to the left hand, back to the right hand. And as you're doing that, you're sort of changing up the center of gravity and it just becomes way more challenging. Um, are you still doing it with weight or uh, like you, you said that there's a wobble board in the kitchen. I'm assuming there's not a weight next to it in the kitchen. Uh, there, there is around the corner actually, but okay. we, for now I'll do either way. Like if I'm standing in the kitchen, then I'll do it just, you know, I'll do it a minute at a time on each, um, on each leg. And I'll usually do three or four sets of that. Um, and then, or yeah, if I'm doing it as part of my strength training, then I will pass the weight back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I can easily stand on it for a minute on one foot now, um, which in the beginning it was really challenging. Right. So again, it's just like, I think the way that you build the progression into your program, um, yeah, it really helps you. And it's not just like for this, these races, right. It's like, now I've, now I know this stuff. Um, and I understand like, okay, if this happens, if I get a flare, where do I go back to? Like, I have that confidence now. I understand, like, here's all the elements. Here's how it works. Here's when I should do strides. Here's when I should do this. Here's when I should do this. Like, there's so many elements to the program um, that right, I have all that. Like, I have my whole spreadsheet of, like, here's what we did. So if I'm not sure, I can go back and be like, oh, it feels a little tweaky, which it doesn't anymore. But, you know, h- how do I approach that? Um, so that's been really beneficial, too. Yeah. You mentioned the single leg deadlifts that we did. Um Purely put that in there, like you said, to try and isolate one leg versus the other so you're not compensating when we start doing double leg stuff because we did have squats in your rehab plan pretty early on. Um, Mm -hmm. We did three sets of 12, 20 pounds, and, yeah, people can easily compensate, especially if they're really nervous on one side or really hesitant to activate their muscles and joints on one side that they can sometimes consciously or unconsciously like favor um, bias one particular side. So a single leg based exercise is a way to reveal all of that because you can't bias one side. And so we did single leg deadlifts, started with three sets of eight on each side with a 10 pound kettlebell or a dumbbell, you know, just any particular weight. But then we just got heavier. We sort of kept the rep ranges around three sets of 12, three sets of eight, um, and just progressively just increase the weight from there. The other exercise that we did for the ankle, apart from the wobble board stuff, was single leg calf raises. Pretty standard, I'd say. We hovered between three sets of 10 and three sets of 12 and just slowly got heavier and heavier with those particular weights. Um, Any of those exercises that ring a bell as to what you thought might... Did you see any of those exercises in particular um, get easier or ones that you found were more beneficial than others? Yeah, I think, um, so, so from the single leg, like deadlift perspective, I think that really helped also with ankle stability. Um, because right, you're standing on one leg and you've got the weight and all of that. So I think that helped with both, both things. Um, the, the other thing that we didn't talk about, and I don't even know what the official name for it is, but when you're standing on the stairs with sort of your back to the stairs and you're kind of doing a single leg dip, that was something that was really difficult for me to do in the beginning with my, with my knee. And so that was something that was really like, I couldn't even really do that in the beginning. Um, 
but yeah, you're, you're standing on one leg and kind of bending that, bending that knee down and uh, sort of single leg squat ish. But, um, that was something that we did. Um, and that was also really helpful. And the calf raises, you know, the weighted calf raises, I think, um, really helped with hills. Um, they really made a big difference in terms of like, I felt like just stronger. Right. And we started adding hills back in and I was like, Oh, I could just, like, I haven't done hills in a while. I was, you know, like, here we go. And it was fine because I've been doing that. And I felt like I sort of had power to go up the hills. Um, so I did notice I still do them because I felt, I feel like they help with that. Yeah. Um, and we sort of just like worked all these into sort of layers, like start with the slow, heavy stuff. Once you've built up enough of those, well, we also did the the jump rope pretty early on as well. Once we know that you could tolerate those things and symptoms were behaving pretty well, start implementing speed once, you know, start with strides. And if you can tolerate those well, then start doing like speed intervals and hills and those sorts of things. So all, all of these came in sort of layers. Um, is there, can you recall, I know it's been a while now, but did you start seeing benefits quite early on or did it take a bit of time? I think I saw benefits pretty early on. Like when I was looking at the spreadsheet today, um, you know, I mean, we look, I mean, I, we look, I look at the journey. I think we started in June or something. And I mean, um, pretty, with pretty soon on, I was able to run again. Um, and so I, I remember that just feeling like so exciting that like, oh my gosh, I'm doing it. And like, there's, there's, you know, not much pain or there's no pain the next day. Um, and so I, I was looking back at the notes and being, you know, being, seeing the excitement of like, oh, we're doing it. Like, it's okay. You know, and then I ran, um, you know, our goal was we were trying to have me run a half, the same half that I had missed. So I really wanted to run this half in October, um, the same one that the year before I hadn't been able to do. And so we did that. And that was so exciting, right? It was like, okay, let's not focus on a time goal. Let's not, um, let's just try to do it, right? Like it was like, let's really focus on getting back to running and the distance and all that. Um, so that was awesome. And then I did, um, I think I did a 10K after that just because of oh, a Halloween one. And then I was like, hey, how about another half before the end of the year, right? So I ran to the fa-la-la-la-la half marathon, <laughs> uh, which was funny and freezing um, in December because it was like, hey, I'm still, I'm still good. Like I'd like to carry my fitness on through. Um, so yeah, I mean, within six months, I ran two halves and a 10K and like, you know, within a month I was running pretty much without pain, um, and knew how to do that. So like, yeah, I would say, um, I felt hope very early on and started seeing results and just had to be, be patient with that. Um, there's something I do, I do want to mention, and there's a woman, I can't remember what her name was, but she did a mindset podcast with you. She was another success story at one point. Um, but I remember in the beginning, right, you're marking down, like, tell me how much out of 10 your pain is. Cause we were trying to figure out, you know, should I run today? Should I not run today? How we do this? And, um, then I remember coming to you in one of our weekly chats and saying, Brody, I think I should not actually do this anymore. Like, mm -hmm. I think I'm only going to tell you if it really hurts because I was finding my mind was fixating on does it hurt? How much does it hurt? Does it hurt now? How about if it doesn't hurt going up this hill? Um, and so I got to a place where I was like, actually, we're good. I'm not going to do that. I know my body well enough to know that like, if I feel sharp pain, I will stop and I will tell you, but otherwise 
I'm not going to put the number out of 10 anymore. This was probably a month in or something. Once we were at this place of like, okay, I'm running. It was like, I know for my own mindset, I can't be starting to run and thinking about how much does my knee hurt? That is that at that point did not serve me. Um, and it was great because it was like, okay, let's not do that anymore. Um, it served its purpose and then I needed to do something else. Yeah. I'm glad you recognize that as well, because that's something I struggle with, with giving clients advice, uh, because it's nice to know the trends. Like we need to know how the pain behaves to know what we need to do moving forward. But at the same time, if a hyperfixed on it, we call it hypervigilance. If you have this constant attention to this one area and you're constantly feeding it to like you're attaching a certain emotion to it as well, um, it can be detrimental because pain is very complex. And if you pay a lot of relevance to it and a lot of attention, the brain's going to respond in kind and really create um, heightened sensitivity to that area, which doesn't help when it comes to recovery. And so, yeah, I struggle with that balance and glad that we sort of worked that out, that processing it in a way that, okay, if it gets to a certain point, I know where my threshold is between acceptable and unacceptable, but I'm not going to constantly think about it. And I'm finding myself more often than not these days picking my patients to say, all right, let's just have a general um, vague assessment on like the whole entire day. How'd the whole entire day go? Don't think about during the day, just at the end of the day to say like, you know what, how was today? And then just give it a little score, but don't attach any relevance or any emotion or anything to that because those who say, what's my knee pain? What's my knee pain? What's my knee pain? Every single step that they take. And then if they then have, a four out of 10 knee pain and be like, oh my God, is it even getting better? What about this isn't working? What about if I need a new plan? What about if I need scans or a new diagnosis? And those, those sorts of things, like never helpful when it comes to recovery because your um, your mental state and your mindset um, should be positive, should be like, you know, optimistic and, you know, the plan's good, but we can't just hold that particular relevance in that sort of urgency because it creates a lot of anxiety as well. So very good one to point, point that on out. that this might be way out there but i'm just gonna say it because i know you've done you know i've listened to you, you've done mindset um podcasts and, and things like that so something that i found was helpful there's a woman named nicole Sachs who does something called journal yelling she actually calls it journal speak but it's this idea that you sit down and you for 20 minutes um it's way more sophisticated than this but people can look it up if they want to um, but you kind of write down anything that comes. So I would, if I was having that in the beginning, right, I had a lot of like frustration with my pain, right? Because I really wanted to be running and I couldn't. And so, but that's not helpful, right? That, that's not serving me. I can't be running any quicker if I'm angry about it. So, um, so I would just do this journal, journal yelling thing where you just write it down for 20 minutes, like whatever, there's no prompt. You just do that. And then you rip up the paper and you throw it away. So no one's going to read it again later. It's not a story. It's just like get that, um, what you said, sort of the, the emotion, connect, unconnect the emotion from the pain. So um, like, and there's scientific evidence about this, but like make those pathways separate, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like all of the, yeah, oh, I really wanted to go do this and I can't, you know, just get it on a piece of paper and rip it up. And so that actually really helped too. And I, I would do it on those days when in the early, early, when it was like, okay, how I'm running like, one minute walking two minutes like how am i ever going to get back to like going on a 10 mile run um and so that was something that was helpful just to like get that 
Yeah. We should probably say that as well. Like in the early days of you starting some running, like you did say we started running pretty early on, but it was a walk run. It was probably two minutes on, two minutes off or one minute off and doing that and paying attention to symptoms. If that's fine, doing a little bit more running, a little bit less walking. And then I think it was by like week six or something is when we actually started doing more continuous stuff where you'd start walk, run, walk, run, walk, run, and then do like a 15 minute continuous. And once you can tolerate that, we then lay it in more and more continuous stuff. So it wasn't just a a simple case of, okay, now you're ready to run. Uh, No. Go back to, you know, preparing for races and those sorts of things. Um, And I still use that Brody. Like I still run 10 and ones. Um, I, and we did that in my halves, right? You were like, Hey, what about this? And I was like, okay, like, I'm not trying to impress anyone at this point. I'm just really trying to like do it for me. Uh, which was a shift in itself because before that, I was like, what about a P-? I'm like, well, what, you know, it's like, no, that's not what we're doing. We're just, okay. I'm going to be grateful that I'm running 13 miles. That's it. Yeah. Um, and so then I did, we did 10 in ones. And so it was like, oh, well then I think that also helped. I was like, okay, well eat a gel or drink your water or whatever it is and then keep going. And I think, um, yeah, it was like, well, how's that not going to slow you down? Well, it's like, I actually could speed you up because, mm. because you could not get injured and you can have this moment, you know, anyway. So, um, yeah, that's actually something that I still like to do. Yeah, that was kind of an insight that we had together where you were doing some continuous stuff, but it was, say, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and we hadn't really done longer, like, continuous runs, but we had this race coming up, and uh, you were doing, you were quite successful doing the longer stuff beyond an hour by doing that 10 minutes on and then a one-minute recovery walk. And so we sort of said, oh, how about we just keep to that ratio on race day because that's the safer option based on where we found ourselves at that time. And yeah, um, quite successful. I was looking at it before and um, saw that it, it, like everything was going well with that particular ratio. So it was, people think that um, it has to be continuous when it's a race. So it's um, maybe something, an, another idea for, for people to have. And so I guess moving from strength to strength, um, well, I guess not moving from strength to strength. Did you encounter any particular setbacks or any flare-ups along this journey? Any uh, little hiccups that um, were quite obvious or that, you know, you could think back on? Yeah, I had one and it was actually after, I think it was between the half in October and the half in December. And it was a really stupid thing where I was, my kids and I were running to the school bus um, and it was freezing. And so I didn't like, I, I wasn't, wasn't really running, but I, anyway, we, re- we ran quickly to the school bus so we didn't miss it. And then afterwards I felt my tendon and I was like, no, like it was angry. And I, and one of the things still, like if it's really cold, um, obviously living in Colorado in the U S it's cold here a lot. So, um, I do have to like, not as, not as much now, but at last year I had to kind of baby it a little bit. Like I would put, sometimes I'd put like a hand warmer on it to get it started in the morning. Or like it helped if the tendon was not cold to start off with. Um, or I do a lot of, um, you know, I'd scrape it or something, which also makes a huge difference. Um, and right. I didn't think I was running that morning. So we just like went out the door and it, it wasn't a huge deal, but it was enough of a tweak that I was, um, Anyway, it was really frustrating because I wasn't even running. I'm not running on during any of these injuries. So it's just the annoying part. (laughs) Uh, But I, but I dealt with it differently, right? I was like, okay, now I know what to do about this. So I'm not going to just push through anyway, like I did before. Um, I took a couple days off. I checked in with you. 
Um, and then, you know, we did, I did one of those really basic runs, right? I did run for two minutes, walk for a minute, whatever it was, something really basic, just to, again, like refine the window of tolerance around, okay, but today, where are we? Not thinking we're gonna have to start the whole plan again, but like, let's just test it. And so we did that. And then we skipped like a couple weeks later in the plan and tried like something else and I could do it. So then I scaled back up and within like, I don't know, a week, maybe 10 days, I was back to the where I had been in the plan um, rather than having a serious disruption. And so I think, um, I think the other thing is like trying not to panic, right? Like following the steps that, you know, work, I have the plan this is what we're going to do. And so I think that was also the difference was, was that I really, um, yeah. Like if you, if you have or sick or whatever it is, it's like, well, how do you, how do you get back in? Um, and it's funny thinking about all this. I'm like, these people are going to think that I'm have, you know, emotional, but I think when you are a runner, right. You want to run, right. Everybody's like, how do I make it happen? That really hurt. Right. Um, anyway, but, th but I learned my lesson and now I'm like, okay, no, listen to your body when it tells you something. And it's like, okay, it was like probably a four out of 10. I was like, all right, that doesn't, meet the rules. Um, and then I could fix it way more quickly than had I tried to push through it, which no yeah. one wants to hear, but it is true. Most people resonate with the mm -hmm. emotional roller coaster that is managing injuries while being a runner, because, you know, as soon as you have a flare up, it's like, am I ever going to be a runner again? Am I ever going to race again? Like, is this ever going to, is this always going to be the, the endless cycle? But then you have a couple of good weeks, like, yes, I'm back. I'm ready for races. I'm ready to run fast. I'm ready to do all this sort of stuff. And you have these highs and lows that just constantly um, shift back and forth. So most people can can resonate with that. And I guess from a um, standpoint of like managing flare-ups, like it's good for people to know that's exactly what we do. We sort of, if there is a flare-up, manage, okay, how severe do we think this is? How irritable do we think this is? How much of a setback do we think we need to take? And so we just sort of plan, all right, let's just take a couple of steps back, maybe just for your first reintroduction back into running, let's just do something super conservative, see how you behave, based on how symptoms are, we can then progress, decide how quickly we accelerate that progression back to where you were pre-flare up. And so it's a little bit of testing and tweaking. Um, but like you said, the mindset side of things, good that you bring that up because people can easily like freak out and say, you know, this plan isn't working, but, you know, calm yourself, stick to the plan, follow those same rules that got you feeling so good before that flare up in the first place. And um, yeah, just sort of have a, try and take the emotion out of it and just try and think a bit more systematically and pragmatically about, you know, what the next step is. I think people can have a lot more reassurance that way. And yeah, I guess more swiftly negotiate those because everyone hates flare-ups, obviously, um, but trying to come up with a plan to negotiate, that's the, um, yeah, requires a bit of a level head. So so glad that you negotiate that pretty well. Um, you know, it's kind of good it happened, honestly, because now it was a test, right? It was like I've run a half, I was about to run another one, and I was like feeling pretty good. And so I think it was a good, like, the silver lining piece, right? It's like, okay, well, I got this now, you know, and, and I know how to do this. And we were still working together. Right. But I think, um, that real time piece of being able to text you and be like, okay, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm going to do versus like, oh my God, this is a problem, which is how I was in the beginning. It was like, Hey, I think this is not going to be a big deal. Here's what my plan is. And you're like, great. You know? And so for me, that was like, all right, I, I got, I got this. I know how to, that can happen. It, I mean, with the, the statistics on how many 
what percentage of runners are injured sometime in their career? It's like 80 or 90% or something, right? So, yeah, 80%. So, it's like, yep. what are you going to do about it? Um, so that was, yeah, it was helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, what is that? built up towards like what have you managed to achieve well, what are symptoms now what's your running and the rest of your activities like um talk us through that yeah so um yeah so i'd say in december after my second half i scaled back a little i was um this winter i've run probably 20 miles a week 20 to 25 um just to keep to keep that and i've been strength training two to three times a week um, I'm a skier, so I had a really strong ski season, which was awesome. Cause obviously that is heavily me involved and like no pain. Um, it was, it was great. Um, and I, skate skiing and downhill skiing. And so it's nice to be able to kind of, um, cross train a little bit, do something else. I was getting a little bit burned out. And so it was like, okay, let's still keep the fitness, but think about how to do that. And then now, um, I'm signed up to run the full marathon, um, for the same one that I missed one time, then ran the half. And now I'm like, I think it might be my chance to run the full. Um, and yeah, you know, running, um, three to four times a week now, um, no pain. And you know what, when I have, if, and when I have, like, if it's a colder day or something, and I feel a little bit in my tendon, my knee tendon ankle is fine. Um, you know, I will do, I'll scrape um, with a Graston, Gaston, Graston, Graston. Um, I'll do that, um, or do my wall sits. Um, and that's fine. So I feel like now I have a lot of tools and confidence to understand like how it's working. You know, when I, when I look at, um, thinking about this podcast and when I look back through the, the journey, right. I'm like, okay, first problem was I switched shoes too fast. Now you, we, we switched shoes during my journey, right? So you taught me how to do that properly and in a way that was safe. So now I know how to do that. So that happened. Um, you know, I pushed through when I shouldn't have, and then I ended up injuring something else. Um, I shouldn't have done that. Right. I, sh I was not doing enough strength training. Um, and when I was, I was not lifting heavy enough. I did not need to be doing stretching and all this yoga. Um, I needed some more targeted specifics, you know, to, to fix those vulnerabilities. Um, and I was just, you know, type a, like pushing through, like, I'll just grit my way through this experience. Everything was taped. Like I was just going for it, right? And it's, anyway, so now I feel like the whole purpose of this for me was to be a lifetime runner, right? To have a sustainable, um, amazing sport that I can do forever. And so I think to kind of all the way go back to the basics and learn how to do that and what are the elements and what happens if something isn't going to go perfectly. Um, and then now, right, I'm trying to build up speed. Like I tried really hard for the whole like last 18 months to just not care about that. And now I'm like, okay, I kind of do care. So I'm now, you know, doing some tempo runs, doing some more strides, doing, you know, to really see like, okay, well, well let's, this could be the next piece of, of what we're going to do this. And if I'm going to run a marathon, I probably should speed up a little. So it doesn't take me a long time. Um, but right. Those are some things now, but yeah, been consistently, you know, back at it for a year um and it's awesome to not be hurt yeah well said there's a, plenty, a lot of lessons in there that you've learned like you say the transitioning transitioning shoes building in strength like just being a little bit more structured with your your overall programs is there any other i guess lessons or final takeaways we haven't yet discussed that you think those who are injured or who will want to you know reduce their risk of injury anything else that you might want to advise the listeners on 
You know, I think, um, I think, you know, calling in for your injury chat was really helpful um, because you share all this information, right? And, but I was trying to understand like, am I a good fit, right? Or how, um, yeah, are, are you gonna be like, no, you shouldn't be running, right? Like I just, I didn't know where to start at that point. And so I think, yeah, to call in and just be able to chat with you, just like, there wasn't a commitment. It was just like, hey, do you, here's what's happening to me. Do you think that this would, you could help me? Um, and talking about specifics, right? Because you think about the hundreds of topics you have and all these different things. And I also like, I looked at your videos and your book hadn't come out yet, but um, right, You've, you have so many resources there to figure out, like, I remember watching a, um, you have one on shoes and I do wear hokas, but I remember like, um, you know, sitting at my computer, holding up my shoes, trying to measure the drop and like looking at like all, you know, you just, you have so much information there that whatever somebody's problem is, I think having you at least be able to, to direct them into like, have you tried this or this? Like it just was, I got into the place of, I don't want to do this over and over again. I just want to figure this out and understand. It doesn't mean I'll never get injured again, but like, I think it could be, I, w I wouldn't have ended up in a six week immobilization situation with PRP. I would have done something way before that. And I don't think that would have happened. So, right, right. Does it mean it'll, it'll never happen? No, but I think now I understand how to minimize it and at least the parts that are within my control. Um, and again, like to kind of zoom out from the, it has to be this pace. It has to be this and just be grateful for like, okay, I'm getting to do this now that I've got a good foundation again and everything's going well, great. Now let's focus on like trying to, to play with that a little bit. Um, but I think, yeah, just calling in and getting some specific advice um, was helpful, right? And I signed up for a month and it was like, okay, this is going well. And then I, I decided like, okay, I, I actually really want to fix this. I don't want to know just a little bit. Uh, but right, I think you have a lot of options there for people of um, different you know, times and whatever it works for them, but it, it certainly helped me. Yeah. I appreciate those kind words. And one reason that I want to get you on to share your stories, because, um, when we were working together, you didn't just want to be told what to do. Like you, one of the things of like some people, when I coach, they just want to be told and don't really give any much thought to it. But what you did, yes, well, I, I came up with the plan, but you're sort of like learning why we come up with these sort of certain things. You sort of have this, okay, what's the lesson here? How can I take this? What's the why behind why we're doing it? So that you can then build on that knowledge and apply it yourself when, you know, similar circumstances pop up. Like what are the rules behind this? What are the, the set structures or the principles Um behind it because as we sort of worked through the months, you're sort of building up more confidence to take on more responsibility in your own rehab and your own sort of structure. And you say, oh, you know, I'm feeling sick this week or I'm coming down with something. My whole family's, you know, got this flu, but I want to do this. What do you think? And sort of like I'm now sort of being more of the passenger in your whole journey because you've sort of learned those lessons along the way. And now when it comes to rehab and when it comes to strength, and like you say, introducing speed, you're sort of taking those principles yourself and it's, it encapsulates what I hope the run smarter scholars are. They, they want to, you know, they see the, the benefit in running IQ and their running wisdom and sort of taking those principles and applying it to their rehab and their race performances and training preparations and all those sorts of things. So encapsulates it really well. So well done for 
um, on your behalf as well for recognizing, okay, I need to learn more about this. I need to learn why, and I need to learn the lessons so that I can apply it myself. And I'm glad it's led to a, a very, very good and positive outcome, not only for this injury, but an injury that you might have in the future. It sort of sets up, lays the the foundation, the framework for, for a lot of things to come, that being hiccups or races or PBs or whatever you decide to do. So really appreciate this. There's a ton of lessons in here and thanks for coming on and sharing your story. Thanks so much for having me. It was great. And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn but implement these lessons, who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, who are looking for evidence-based long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path. <laughs>